sitting here in my own house, minding my own business. Where you been? I don't think you can. I've been having a hell of a time. Hello, this is High Camp, the podcast where I try to watch all 406 movies from an out-of-print gay film guide before I die. I'm your host, Brian Rucker, and I am delighted today to be joined by, uh, she's an actress, a writer, a director, Marissa Strickland. Hey, hello. How's it going? I'm really excited to be here. I'm good. How are you? Uh, I'm great. I had a good morning watching my cats, watch some birds outside. Um, They go to like one window and then the birds will move and they'll like follow them and like watch them outside. I love that. I have a cat and my cat only looks out of one window. He doesn't think to go to another (laughs) window. Uh, That's so funny. Yeah, because we have like trees... Right. There's a lot of birds in this. I mean, it's a very lush, uh, LA is close to nature. That's what's one of the nice things <laughs> yeah. about it. So, and I, I think like, people don't think of LA like that. No. They're like, oh, it's buildings and roads. No, but I mean, there are definitely buildings <laughs> and roads. Uh, we had a $16 million bridge constructed right behind our house, basically. Can you tell me about yeah. it? Because I watched it go up and I was like, oh, this has to be temporary. And then I'm like, oh, no, it's not temporary. Is it supposed to look like an egret or a crane? Because that's the vibe I get. I, I believe so. That it's supposed to look like, yeah, some sort of bird. Because there are a lot of cranes in the L.A. River. And I think it's sort of an homage to that. Uh, this is not a political podcast but there was a lot of local LA so there was like a developer that said that that he was going to pay for this bridge if um, the warehouse behind my apartment was able to be converted into condos the city council did not pass that uh, thank god because I don't well I mean actually you know what for the better good I wish that there was more housing so I would like to actually say that there should be condos behind my house but it would also be crazy to get into a situation where a developer's like, I'll build something for the public to be able, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. then everyone's building bridges, which maybe bridges <laughs> aren't bad. <laughs> we should metaphorically be building bridges, but like, you know what I mean? We shouldn't be like, I'll give this if I can. Yeah, make a it lot is of money. definitely like a yeah quid pro quo system, but I think that's just how government works, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, but anyway, they they did not let him build the condo, so he pulled out funding for the bridge, which had already started construction. So then the city of LA were like, oh no, taxpayers taxpayers will pay for this bridge. So it cost millions of dollars. I selfishly, I'm grateful because I can literally walk out of my house into Griffith Park now. That's so cool. Uh, But when the city has like a horrible homeless problem, like people are unhoused, don't have a place to live. There's like no affordable housing. It does seem pretty wasteful to yeah, this bridge. thank you so much. I've had this question in my mind where this bridge came from because it just it just popped it's up out strange. of nowhere in the last four months or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I could do research, but this is such a more fun way to have my answer. You know what I mean? Because I just would drive by it all the time being like, what is this? And granted, all the research I've done has just been on Nextdoor. So I don't know if, how true any of this is. Also, the sad part is, so this bridge finally opened a few weeks ago. And like I did get to walk over it a few times and like do a hike. Uh, how does it feel under your feet? It's I think it's nice. It's really great. But uh, unfortunately, so it's a pedestrian bridge and an equestrian bridge because there's a lot of like horse stables around my house. I guess on the weekend that it opened, a horse had a horrible accident and fell off the bridge and broke his leg and they had to euthanize it. Oh, my. 
my God. Yeah, this is, again, according to Nextdoor. This is the legacy of this bridge. So they already closed the bridge, and they have to redo it. Wait, for ever, even well, pedestrians? Yeah, even the pedestrian side is closed. So... According to, again, according to next door, <laughs> it will be reopened again this weekend. But I have no idea if that's true, uh, or how long it's going to be. And so now, I was I was just getting used to the fact of being able to walk out of my house and like take a nice hike in the park, and I can't do it right now. And it makes me so angry. But then I, I think of the horses, and then right. I think of I'm sure that's terrible. Yeah, yeah I, didn't, I didn't take a second to think about. No, no, no. Like, I'm sure that's bad. Uh, so they need to they need to repair it because that was the whole point was an equestrian bridge. So because all the the stables in Atwater Village, like, uh, so the horses can can actually go right to the park without. Because um, before they were crossing the river, just like being in the river, and that was Fording dangerous the too. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's not it's not a very deep river. No, it's, it's probably uh, like three feet at yeah, max, yeah, yeah. but uh, maybe less, two feet. But that's know. the story of. I think it was originally called the Lacretz Bridge because the developer was Lacretz, but now I think it's just called the North Atwater Bridge because Lacretz pulled out the funding. Yeah, he doesn't get his um, name on it. Are horses allowed in Griffith Park? Yeah, yeah, there's like lots of equestrian trails in, I in the park. I never realized yeah. that. And there's like a whole pony ride. Well, I guess that's a different. Type well, that's of yeah, I've yeah. seen the pony ride. <laughs> I didn't think horses. you would just bring your horse <laughs> to <laughs> pony ride. <laughs> um, but yeah, like some, uh, I think most of the trails, like you can be a horse. Um, I assume. And then they cool. also put up all these uh, signs along my neighborhood or around my neighborhood, just that was calling it the North Atwater Equestrian District. Which, I just, when I drove yeah. in, I saw that and I was like, oh, wow, fancy. I know, it like makes it seem so fancy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm glad that we have lived here for a few years and have rent control because we wouldn't be able to afford it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how was your morning? Um, Good. I, you know, ran around, I worked out, and then oh, I re-looked at the materials of yeah, this yeah. movie so that I'd have it fresh in my mind. Uh, yeah, what a strange movie. We'll we'll get to that. Um. But first, I start off my podcast most weeks with a little segment I like to call industry news. Um, as you know, I'm part of the industry. My guests are definitely part of the industry. We like to be up on all the the machinations happening in Hollywood. And uh, we're sort of at a lull as far as award season goes. The Oscars. I'm like bored with the Oscars now. I was so I, I get so excited about the Oscars before the nominations come out. And then afterwards, I'm like, eh, what's the point? Yeah. Well, um, I think there's a lot. It seems like only a few movies were really uh, lauded. You know what I mean? Like they're very. It, it, it's not a wide net this no. year. Yeah, because uh, usually there'll be there'll be some people, including myself, uh, who like to watch every single movie nominated. Mm-hmm. And usually it's something like you know between fifty and sixty movies have at least one nomination. Mm-hmm. And this year, I think it's less than forty. So there were like a few big movies that got a lot of nominations, but not uh, not as many. Can I tell you what I'm scared of? Yeah. Um, I'm I loved Parasite. Yeah, me too. And they put it in, I think, Best Picture and then Best Foreign Picture. It's in two categories, and I feel like it'll get Foreign Picture, and that's like some kind of consolation. And yeah. I think that that's unfair. No, I do. That's exactly what happened to Roma last year. Mm. Uh, and. Parasite is, I mean, I think it must be like one of the most, it must be the most critically acclaimed movie of yeah. last year. I think it's, yeah, definitely one of the best movies. But I, I fear that you're correct. That I, I Once I saw that, because I was like scrolling down and I was like, oh, I see what they're about to do. You know what I mean? Or yeah, like, yeah. I'm scared that that's what they're well, about pe- to do. Because people will, you know, vote for it for international feature and then feel that they don't need to vote for it for best picture. 
And I think that's rude. Yeah, I don't know what the solution, because I think they should obviously have an international feature. But I wonder if it's like, oh, if something's nominated for Best Picture, it's ineligible. That doesn't make sense either. Uh, I don't, yeah, I don't know how a foreign language movie is ever going to win Best Picture if there are these other categories that they're Yeah, it just in. feels like it, yeah, it, I think it makes it convenient for voters to dismiss a foreign language Absolutely. movie. Absolutely. Good, because I don't think, I might not be right, but I don't think a foreign language film has ever won Best Picture. I don't know enough about it. Um, and very few until recently have even been nominated, so that's a step in the right direction. Um, but yeah, Parasite's great. Yeah. Uh, the other... I want to briefly touch on, um, as we all know, Disney acquired 20th Century Fox we recently, and now they are sort of getting rid of the the Fox part of the name. So 20th Century Fox is now 20th Century Pictures, and Fox Searchlight is just Searchlight. Do you have any, like, not loyalty, but like, do you think that studios now have sort of a house style? I guess a Disney does, but like other than that, you, you, I don't know. I don't think like, oh, that's a Paramount movie or that's a Sony movie. Or, that's a Fox movie is really a thing. I, I don't think I have a depth of knowledge that would be able to say that. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't think I know enough to like be like, what's the vibe? But I also bet things maybe are more uh, diluted and kind of like, oh, we're just making things. I remember in the 90s, it felt like, you know, like Miramax felt very like a thing for sure you know yeah and i think like those indie now the the sort of miramax equivalent to some extent is like a24 mm -hmm. and those movies definitely have yeah. a house style yeah and uh, yeah i'm always excited oh yeah for like but, anytime i realize because i don't follow it as closely as maybe i should or or other people do <laughs> um and like anytime i'm like oh like and i see the little like a24 i'm like oh this is gonna be good <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they're they're really like uh, like judicious about the the movies that they acquire or you know develop, and um, each one becomes sort of like a little bit of an event, mm -hmm. and you know you're getting some semblance of of quality. Yeah, and they with, feel thoughtful. Yeah, they really feel thoughtful, and they're able to like become hits in a way that I mean, not on the scale of you know a Marvel movie or something, but like. These movies, they're able to advertise them to the right audience and like get people to actually see them and talk about them. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But yeah, with Fox, because, and I'm like a weird old movie dork. So I, there's a really great book. Actually, I'll recommend to the readers. Uh, it's by an author named Ethan Morden, and it's just called The Hollywood Studios. And it uh, there's a chapter about each of sort of the old studios. So like MGM, Paramount, Warner Brothers, Fox. And during the studio system, they each definitely had like a house style that the audience would say, oh, if we're, you know, going to sort of a, uh, a light comedy, we'll, you know, we'll see Paramount or a Fox movie. If it's like a gangster gritty movie, it's definitely a Warner Brothers movie or like a big budget musical is always going to be an MGM movie. Mm -hmm. um, but I think Disney realizes that Fox, well, the only like brand recognition that Fox has now is Fox News, the Murdochs, right. which is like a poisonous brand. Right. So it makes sense that they would like want to get rid of it. I yes. Think. that That's like in my very brief reading of it, like last week or whenever this happened, um, that was the only thing they pointed to was like trying to get away from Fox News so that people didn't associate yeah. it with that. But that's the only why I read. And I think that is like a good excuse. But I also think Disney wants to consolidate everything further, which is scary. And I imagine, I don't know like how long this 20th century pictures is even going to last or if it's just all going to be Disney movies pretty soon. Yeah. And uh, 
yeah, that's going to be so curious to see how. Also, well, this is a separate thing. I'm curious to see what's going to happen in general. I'm also curious to see with all these streaming platforms, is it going to work? I, I mean, what what do you mean? Is it going to like? Okay, so uh, maybe maybe this is like really like everyone's like, yeah, Marissa, we've been talking about this for years, and this is like a very basic, you know, old thought. But it feels like okay, so we had like cable. And then we're like, okay, yeah, yeah, people don't want to pay for cable. We'll do a couple streaming services. And then people are like, oh, people like streaming services. So we'll keep making more, many of which have died. Yeah. Um, but it feels like we keep, for whatever reason, companies are like, yeah, we still want to do big scale streaming services. But won't that just equate to cable, but through the internet? Yes, absolutely. Is that yeah, what it is? Yeah. I mean, there will <laughs> eventually be a bundle yeah. that you can pay one bill a month yeah. to get Netflix, Disney Plus, Amazon HBO Prime, Max, H- exactly, yeah. and that exactly will be cable because that's what it feels like. So that's why I don't understand, but maybe I just don't understand innovation, and that like we're just circling and then come back and circle and come back because it's what people like. Yeah, or- no, I think you understand it perfectly. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah, the, the, like corporate innovation is not actually innovation. I mean, there's technological innovation, yeah. but like the like economics of of I mean to you know capitalism <laughs> in some sense is like oh yeah we're gonna have the fewest number of companies making the most amount of money as possible and without severe regulation like that's gonna keep happening at some point will there be more regulation uh vote 2020 <laughs> bernie sanders <laughs> just because i feel like the pendulum always swings to like you know what i mean yeah and i think that honest, I mean, this isn't a political no, but like that is a good question and that depends on us yeah because uh, it's just curious because it's like oh what what are the limits of business what are we willing to do yeah i mean everyone is okay, okay well, let's move <laughs> uh welcome to chapo trap house <laughs> Um, but yeah, oh, this actually, this episode will drop the day of the Iowa caucuses. So if you're in Iowa, well, you'll have already voted. So, um, I'll formally endorse Bernie Sanders on this podcast, (laughs) but for Bernie guys, come on. Um, but let's move on to Marissa. What have you been watching? Um, I think the things I've watched most recently, um, I watched Watchmen like weekly. Mm. So I very much enjoyed that. And do you know, I feel like there are a lot of superheroes in the world right now. (laughs) Um, And so I've never been like, oh, this is my thing. And I never read Watchmen. I didn't see the previous, like, movie Watchmen. Um, But I had a great time just dropping in and watching it. I really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was thoughtful. I thought some of the things they did visually were just really elegant and beautiful. Yeah. I've only watched... uh, We're watching it because it's one of the only shows that... uh, Scripted shows that like John and I will watch together because we do have like sort of different tastes and different schedules and it's hard. But so we'll sit down and watch that together. So we've only gotten a few in and I, like you, have no prior knowledge of it and it is deeply confusing to me (laughs) but also I'm very uh enamored with it it is beautiful to watch and the acting's so good I sort of don't care that I don't know what's going on yeah and I think one thing I thought was really cool is like it definitely in the first few episodes you're kind of like ooh, what is this like am I missing pieces but I think they do such like this kind of like deaf job of like introducing you to elements where you're like I think I know what's going on uh without like over telling you anything or under like I feel like you're kind of in this world and you're like interested and exploring but um 
you don't feel hammered over the head. Whereas like some narratives, I feel like they're like, and of course this is happening. Yeah. They really, I mean, Damon Lindelof and HBO like do, uh, trust the audience. It Mm -hmm. is like a high level of, um, assuming that the audience is going to stay engaged, which is really cool. I'm glad not all television is that way because it would be like too much, uh, it would take too much brain power. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, but it is great. Like, and I, I loved the leftovers and that was, oh yeah. I mean, there, I think there's less, uh, mythology to that one Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of, um, it's more about sort of like feelings and human relationships more so than this overarching like mythology, Mm -hmm. but it similarly drops you into uh, a world that you don't quite understand and, and forces you to just like engage with it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I, I think that's, yeah, I think that's great to watch one show like that at a time. Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, my brain would probably get confused. Um, Yeah. But I really, I think it's really interesting. One thing I learned about it just because my boyfriend was watching it and like I guess there's supplemental material you can read oh and like listen to <laughs> for just, each episode yeah. which I think is really uh interesting and I've never heard about maybe other television I scoff at that. that and yet I listen to like four <laughs> Vanderpump Rules podcasts a week so yeah but it's like but it it's it's material that was put out by the show oh, okay. which is I've never heard of that. I know they did that with Chernobyl too okay. which I tried to watch or listen to the first Chernobyl podcast and I was like I like Chernobyl but they don't care about it. Like you love much. the yeah. event. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I just, it really just like cleansed the Ukraine in a way that. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, terrible. Thing. Terrible. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> We're joking. Um, so wait, have you listened to any of the? I haven't. No, but I just. But has I Justin just, or does, yes. is he a Watchman? But yes, he like Watchman. And well, one thing I can say that he said, which or I might be ruining what he said, but um, he said that he felt like this version of it really captured some of the commentary for the present time that the graphic novels did when they came out. Like it it captured kind of the heart and spirit Mm. of the show more so than some of the other iterations of Watchmen had. Okay. Yeah. Cause the, I guess the original book came out like sort of during the Reagan era. So I was talking about that and this is the more contemporary. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I don't know that I'm just repeating what I've heard, but I think that that's interesting because it is more about, commenting rather than just like superheroes you know yeah 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 um i watched a little movie last night called breakthrough okay which okay so uh my husband records his podcasts on monday nights so usually i make myself scarce and go see a movie in the theater on mondays Mm -hmm. but uh there was literally nothing i wanted to see in the theater Mm -hmm. right now um and because i am such an oscar completist there's a christian movie called breakthrough that was nominated for best original song okay, because Diane Warren wrote the song and Chrissy Metz, who plays the lead in the movie also sang the song. Okay. I'm sorry. These are names I oh. don't know. And I'm sorry. Uh, Diane Warren is like a very famous schlocky songwriter. Okay. She wrote like my heart will go on. Okay. I, no, actually, I'm not sure if I'm right about that. But, but she was in, in that, that genre. World. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and she's never won an Oscar. Oh, so she couldn't have, uh, but she, she writes songs like that. Okay. And she's been nominated five million times and she's never won. Uh, and then Chrissy Metz is one of the actresses on This Is Us. She's like the larger woman. I've never okay. seen it. Anyway. I'm sorry. I know. No, no, no. I've never seen it either. But she's in this Christian movie that's based on a true story about her son who uh, is playing on the ice and 
uh, falls through the ice and is underwater for 20 minutes and drowns and is almost dead, but then she prays and he comes back to life. Is this based on a true story? Yes. Wow. So this is a story that happened in St. Louis a few years ago and it got a lot of uh, publicity just because, oh, you know, this mother prayed and her son, and he has like no brain damage. It is like a miracle that this guy wow. lived yeah. and is, you know, alive and talking and stuff. So... I think in real life, his mom wrote a book about the experience and then that was turned into a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never, I've never seen one of these uh, Christian movies before. Have yeah, you? I don't know what qualifies as a Christian movie, but I would guess I haven't. Like, I know God's Not Dead is the the big I don't franchise. even know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's, a, it's a sort of like parallel universe to the Hollywood that we know and love that is... Um, that uh, caters to a uh, Christian audience. I, I mean, I believe it. Yeah. Everyone's going to find their thing. And what surprised me about this movie is, I mean, it's not a great movie, but it was very entertaining and very sincere and heartfelt and was not, I assumed that these movies were going to be very like anti uh, non, I don't, is that a, that's a double negative, but like um, would be, sort of preachy and 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 there would be characters who were non-believers who were who'd be cast as villains. And I think maybe that's true in some of these movies. Yeah. But this movie is very its heart is definitely in the right place. Chrissy Metz gives a like a heartfelt melodramatic performance as a, of this grieving mother who prays and it's a very nice movie. Cool. And it's well, on uh HBO if you haven't. Okay, cool. I mean, it's yeah, it's weird. It's just a genre I've like never really thought about or like engaged with at all. So I'm really, I'm really glad I watched it. Yeah, no, I, I, I truly had no knowledge of the genre. I'm not surprised that it exists, yeah. but I just, I was, I just didn't know. It made, it made like $40 million. Oh, um, yeah, that's almost a bridge, right? It is almost, it's like, well, it's like two and a half bridges. Oh, it's two and a yeah, half bridges. Yeah. Oh my God. I think, um, but yeah, if you, I don't know, I don't, I, I can't really recommend it uh, compared with, you know, movies like Parasite or whatever. Oh, it doesn't matter. All movies are their own thing. Exactly. Like, yeah. They don't yeah, need yeah. to be. But yeah, watch Breakthrough. Um, I also wanted to say I watched a list of spookies and oh, I really yeah. liked that too. Isn't it? Oh, I love it. I really like, like, I truly love it. I was like, oh, this is so funny. I'm honestly, even like good comedies now, I'm like, I guess because like I write comedy and I, I get it's, I don't know if it's like high standards or I'm just like bored by most of them, even if they're like the jokes are good. It's they're all sort of the same, right? And this one is so unique and so it. absurd and I loved cool. It. Yeah, it's really great. I really loved it. Um, and then I also watched Cheer. I watched that Netflix. Oh yeah, I still yeah. haven't seen it. Yeah, I need. You're not the first person to recommend it on this podcast, yeah. so yeah, I need to watch it. I, yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's like a big. I just watched. I was like sick, and I like watched yeah, the yeah. whole thing in like two days, and it. I mean, it, it's riveting. Like it truly, I felt a lot of emotion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I bet. Uh, yeah, those type of shows where it's like this niche thing that people are super into is, is so it's, it's just such a great genre. Yes. And I would I, kind of building off of what you just said, uh, a lot of times, like I can't watch a lot of comedies cause I'm like, uh, like I just, I just don't enjoy it as much. Um, just cause my brain is like predicting what's happening exactly, and yeah. like, I'm like, Oh, okay. Well that's not, they didn't really say it the way I would have said that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just like, just, you know, or whatever. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Um, I love documentaries. Like documentaries mm-hmm. are like always, and reality TV to some extent too, which is kind of what cheer is. It's, I don't know what a docu-series counts. Like, yeah, does it, it count is. as reality or does it count? Well, like what? It, I think it's like a blurry line and yeah. Netflix is sort of 
doing these these hybrid limited docu series, which are like shot more and uh, like the tone is more of like a reality show. Right. So yeah, I don't know if yeah, I don't know what it counts as, but I those are always the things I'm most interested in. Is like watching that. Like I've been watching like just smatterings of like Ken Burns things. Like I'll like get in and like watch two episodes and then I'll be like, okay, okay, I've seen enough of New York. Now I got to watch some jazz. You oh, know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I just yeah. like jump around. I'm, I'm so excited to watch the country one. It's only I've on. I've seen like half of it. Where Did you buy it or you have a PBS app or something? At, I did have the PBS for, app for a while and then I wasn't using it enough. So I was like, I'm sorry, I can't have every streaming yeah, exactly. service. Um, but I was watching it with my parents at their oh, house and they have regular classic, TV. Classic, classic. Uh, Cause I try, I was like, oh, maybe I should uh, rent them or, and it's like sixty dollars to even like rent on really? Amazon right now. So I assume that like eventually it'll eventually get on one it'll of them. Eventually it'll roll over, yeah. But I really want because I love I love country music because um, a lot of the other Ken Burns ones are on Amazon. Yeah, I think, and all of them aside from the new one, I think are on Canopy, the mm-hmm. uh, streaming service for if you just use your public library card. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's re- it's free. And, I use Hoopla and oh, yeah, Overdrive for like audiobooks, but yeah. I never do the um, Canopy. Yeah. yeah, I think they're all somewhat the same. But yeah, cool. yeah. Um, wait, so which Ken Burns is your favorite? Oh, I don't know. I, there's a lot I haven't yeah, seen. Yeah, I haven't seen Vietnam or baseball, but I think both of those seem like... Vietnam seems too It intense. seems too heavy, yeah. yeah. Um, I've been enjoying New York. One thing about the New York one that I thought was really interesting, <laughs> this isn't what this podcast is about, <laughs> but like New York was founded as like an economic venture. Like it wasn't founded for any kind of like freedom or getting away from somebody or trying to you know what I mean like a lot of other kind of like American things or when like immigrants go anywhere like they're like we need to be able to practice our thing that wasn't New York's deal it really was found as an economic center and I think that that's very interesting because that is what it is still yeah you know it's kept that that DNA of like Mm -hmm. a purely secular Mm -hmm. capitalist that's interesting because yeah, like uh, Massachusetts obviously are like the Puritans and Maryland or the Catholics and all yeah. these things. In New York, yeah, interesting. Which I, I don't know, like that. I like it felt like in its soul, like in its DNA, the way you just said it is like that is what it is, and I think it is such like a monolith of that now. Yeah, huh? I have to, I have to watch it, yeah. those. Those things are so they're interesting to me, but the Ken Burns documentaries, they're so long. So <laughs> I know. Well, long. that's why I can't like. Yeah. I'm like. I'm like. Okay, I've done yeah, enough yeah. of this. And I need to like jump around. Episode is like a feature length. Yeah, truly, they're like mm, two hours. Yeah. They're really long. Not enough hours in the day. Um. Well, why are you guys listening? Because you want to hear us talk about old campy movies. Um. So I sent you a list of 400 movies, and you came back to me with a few options, including uh, Lair of the White Worm. Yes, I really. Can I just say before we jump into it, <laughs> I love John Waters so much. And so it was really hard to not oh, yeah. pick a John Waters film. But I was like, I don't like it just felt like it felt like it would be too much to do. You know what I mean? I'd rather give that to somebody that maybe doesn't have as big of a connection to him or uh, uh, is a casual new acquaintance of him. Because I was like, I would love to hear what those people have oh, to say yeah. about John Waters. Interesting, because I've done two John Waters episodes I did um, Polyester with Amy Height, mm-hmm. which was a really fun episode. And she was more of like a neophyte. Mm-hmm. And then I did Female Trouble with Heather Jewett. And she's like a John Waters fanatic. So mm-hmm. it was interesting. And I am, I definitely am a fanatic. Like yeah. I've seen all of his movies. Yeah. Um, but 
I mean, he only has done so many movies, so we, we can't do them all at once. I know. Yeah. So so it was really hard. Like And like truly, my brain kept being like, maybe you should just do Desperate Living. Why don't you just do Desperate Living? And I was like, no, no, no. Well, I'll say you should come back at some point and we'll do Desperate Living. Okay. Because that's, that's, that's one of the John Waters movies without Divine. I know. So I've seen it. Uh, way less than I've seen other other of his movies. In high school, I had a little box set that they put out in the '90s, and it was like polyester, hairspray, oh, yeah. pink flamingos, Desperate Living, yep. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so I watched it all the time. I, it, it's very fun. I would like to rewatch. It. I haven't yeah, seen yeah, it in yeah. probably like ten years. So, um, well, let's make an appointment for a few months from now. Okay. Come back. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Lair of the White Worm. So. No John Waters. Why this one? Um, well, like I told you in your email, I was like, I watched this movie all the time as a child. And then rewatching it, I was like, I don't know if I've ever seen this movie. <laughs> so I don't know what kind of fake memory I had or impression. Wow. It's like the Mandela effect of, <laughs> of Lair of the White Worm. That's, yeah, because I, I think I was, I was telling you too, like, this is a movie, I, kn- I know I had never seen it, but there are those movies that as a kid, you'd be in the video mm-hmm. store, and I know I would always sort of roam the horror section and be either too chicken to actually rent one or cause it was maybe R rated. My parents wouldn't let me rent mm-hmm. one or whatever, but I just remember seeing the VHS copy of this, you know, sexy woman coming out of a weird basket with the right. thing on her yeah, head and layer of the white like, worm. Yeah. And it always seemed so intriguing to me. Yeah. And I think maybe I had that experience, but I thought I'd seen the movie. Yeah. So do you, you really think you've never seen the movie? I remembered nothing That's of it. That's so funny. But I did have the impression, because I feel like as a young person, like when I was like probably like 9, 10, I was watching a lot of, you know, these kind of borderline spooky movies. Because this mm-hmm. isn't that scary. It's not a scary movie. No. But it, it it's weird and trying to be creepy. Yeah. Do, do you have older siblings? No, I'm oh. an only child. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm the oldest. So like I, and both of I, I didn't have like older uh, siblings to, to show me like adult, Things so yeah. I feel like I was very sheltered up until the point that I sought stuff out myself. I I have weird parents that like didn't really care what I watched. Oh, okay. I remember they'd get like grumpy about some things, but for the most part, like they took me. I remember being like four or five years old, and they took me to see this movie Blaze, which was like about it, like it's about like this exotic dancer. I don't know what she's. But, I think Paul Newman's in it, hmm. uh, but I rem- there's definitely like lots of breasts. There's nudity. There's like stripping in it, and like I remember being like, I shouldn't be here. Like yeah. I just like knew as a child, like this wasn't for me. But so you weren't enjoying it. You were a little sort of put off or disturbed by. I was just like, this doesn't feel right, and maybe that's just me understanding the memory from yeah. my point of view now, or like as an adult. But like my parents would let me see any. Like truly, they weren't scared of like but my mom did have a thing against Beetlejuice she was like you can't see Beetlejuice and I was like eight and my friends had seen it and they were like oh it's funny and I was like why can't I see Beetlejuice but that's interesting yeah my my parents or my mom specifically I think was like relatively um, protective and so I wasn't exposed to a lot of uh, like adult content Mm -hmm. Um, and I also was like an extremely sensitive kid who uh, now I can sort of watch anything and like mm-hmm. not be affected by it. But I do have a few, like my dad took me to see um, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade uh-huh. when I was l- pretty little, when it was out in the theater. And that movie completely traumatized me yeah. of like the um, the guy who drinks from the wrong Holy Grail. And then, oh, like, shrivels yeah, up. yeah. Like that was really terrifying. Uh, and then I also remember a movie that I think I went, 
like just it was like a play date with my friend and his mom took me to this weird um foreign i think it was a australian or new zealander movie uh, called um uh the navigator mm. and it was about this family in the middle ages who is struck by the bubonic plague um but then there's a time travel element so this kid it sort of has to save his family from being uh killed by the plague and, and goes to the future and that movie just fucked me up. Yeah, so that sounds I, heavy it, in yeah. all areas. Yeah, uh, so I never, and like slasher movies and stuff, I just didn't see any of that until I was in high school and was getting into like, yeah, John Waters and David Lynch. Mm-hmm. And then after that, forget about it. I was into like, you know, weird shit. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. This this movie, I'm, gl- I'm sort of glad that I didn't see it when I was really little. <laughs> yeah. Because like you said, it wasn't, it's not super scary, but there's enough very sort of weird elements yeah. that it could freak you out. Uh, so before we get into the details, I will read Paul Rowan's review of The Lair of the White Worm. This um, is exciting. <laughs> if this is the first episode of High Camp that you're listening to, I stole the name of this podcast from a duo of gay film guides from, uh, who's written by an amateur film critic and professional librarian from Duluth, Minnesota. His name is Paul Rowan. All right, this is a, actually a pretty short entry. The Lair of the White Worm. When I'm confronted with a film called The Lair of the White Worm, can you blame me for supposing that the title refers to leading man Hugh Grant's trousers? Oh my God. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Jesus. Also confronted. <laughs> <laughs> but in fact, this dotty Ken Russell opus is a camp horror item about a seductive snake woman who favors blue eye shadow and masquerades as a patrician English gentle lady, Amanda Donahoe. She snacks on the occasional Boy Scout and can quote from Oscar Wilde and Orson Welles with equal alacrity. At the climax, she straps on a huge pointed dildo and attempts to rape poor sweet virginal Catherine Oxenberg. In short, she's a menace to the patriarchal status quo which horror films hold so dear. Obviously, this woman who occasionally turns into a big long white snake, which kills and eats men, not only has a symbolic castrating penis, but indeed is a symbolic castrating penis. And she's far from being the only one on display. This is a film obsessed with garden hoses and vacuum cleaners. There's also a ballpoint pen, which Grant holds very suggestively in his lap. When Ken Russell permits his imagination to to free reign, sorry, when Ken Russell permits his imagination free reign, one shouldn't be surprised that the end result is an avalanche of phallic imagery. So, yeah, Paul is just obsessed with all the penis in imagery. In and there's movie. a lot of there it. There is a lot. There, <laughs> I, yeah, I can't really blame him. Um, but this movie is... So I don't really know Ken Russell's oeuvre at all. Neither do I. And I was looking him up. So he did... Um, he's obviously British director. Women in Love was like a big thing. He did the, the movie adaptation of Tommy, uh, Altered States. So he did a like a bunch of different genres, but I guess he was sort of known in the 70s and 80s as a more sort of flamboyant British director than the, 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 the like kitchen sink realism that was sort of prevalent in, in British film. Um, and for the whole time I was watching this movie, I thought that he had also directed the wicker man, oh, I've which, never seen okay. It. Yeah. This reminds me of that, but okay. it was a totally different person. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, it wasn't him, but like the, uh, it's like this like moody, cloudy, foggy British horror that always has like elements of, you know, paganism or Satanism Mm -hmm. or something, Um, which I don't know what the genre is called, but it's like an interesting, yeah, interesting genre. I'm interested. I will watch it. Um, Yeah, I would definitely recommend the original 
uh, Wicker Man. Even the the Nicolas Cage remake is like terrible, but it's uh, fun. Cool. And then there's another movie I'll just recommend. Um, it's a newer movie uh, called The Love Witch. Yeah, but, I've seen it. Oh, you have seen The Love yeah, Witch. Yeah, yeah, I like Anna Biller. Oh, yeah. This, uh, is I've, that her? Yeah, it's Anna Biller. Yeah. yeah. I've only seen that one. I've never seen another of her movies. Um, they're all on the... Because <laughs> there's so many streaming services. Yeah, oh, it's guys. on Criterion. On Criterion, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they have uh, several of hers, oh, like cool. Viva and some other early like shorts of hers that feel like very like art school, like early, early, oh, early wow. shorts. I'll have to check those out because I... I I think I saw The Love Witch when I first got Criterion and I was like blown away. Yeah. Because it is like this complete um, like facsimile of this like 70s British horror style but set in America and with like a super feminist perspective. Yeah. And just like truly the colors make me salivate. Like yeah. I love the way it looks so much. Yeah. It, it, it does seem, it, it seems like an artifact from another mm-hmm. time. And it's amazing that it was just a few years ago. Yeah. Um, Anna Biller is also like a really fun follow on Twitter. She like has weird opinions about everything. Great. Can't wait. Funny. I'm yeah. going to do it. <laughs> uh, but so yeah, when you saw Lair, Lair the White Worm, it wasn't scary, but it, it, it creates a mood. Oh yeah. It's moody. I, I like, um, I don't know. I don't, well, I don't know where to start. Like, it, do we start talking at the beginning? Do we start talking about how our feelings? Yeah, well, let's let's talk a little bit about the the plot. The plot is, I mean, relatively simple. It's uh, so it's this archaeologist played by Peter Capaldi, mm-hmm. um, who's not playing a dick. Like, is he, he usually? Playing yeah, a he's in like the thick of it. He's always like the British asshole and everything. I feel like I don't know British. Oh, yeah. movies, I guess <laughs> um, the thick of it is that uh, Armando Iannucci, who did Veep, that was like his okay. British. It was like a British political. But he's always, uh, and he, I think he was a Doctor Who for a while, which I haven't seen. I haven't seen But anyway, it. yeah, he's young in this and more mellow. He's an archaeologist. Um, there are these two hot blonde sisters. One that looks exactly like Kate McKinnon. That's exactly what I was saying. Yeah, I was like, her name is Sammy Davis, mm-hmm. which is funny. Yeah, I, literally my note was, looks like Kate McKinnon. Uh, the whole movie, I kept looking at her and I kept being like, but I just want it to be Kate McKinnon. Yeah. Like, I just wanted it. And then my brain started going to like, how... How many possibilities are there for a human face that this one has happened twice in an actress? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, I think there's there's only like maybe 75 faces. <laughs> <laughs> and like maybe combinations of different ones. But yeah, there's yeah, this I mean she is a dead ringer yeah. for Kate McKinnon. And then the other sister is uh Catherine Oxenberg, who was on Dynasty for a few years. Oh wow. And she is a distant cousin of the British royal family. So she's a very upper crust woman. And like later in her career, she sort of made a career out of playing um, Princess Diana in TV movies. Oh, she wow. was in several TV movies as oh, Princess Diana. Um, but yeah, she's a very like upper crust. Um, For being an upper crust lady, she got into her bra and panties. I know. Yeah. Well, she was the rebel, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. They, so he's digging in. Uh, also, can I just say, I don't oh, yeah. usually use the word panties, but it felt appropriate <laughs> for what that woman was actually oh, wearing in that scene. There's no other word for it, really. <laughs> um, so Peter Capaldi finds this weird skull. Uh which looks like could be a dinosaur skull. It honestly looked more like a cow skull to me, but I don't know. It looked weird. Yeah, it's a skull. It's long. And then meanwhile, Hugh Grant is like the landowner of the town in this. And also like his name is Lord Dampton or something. And the whole time I thought he was saying Downton, like it was Downton, <laughs> like he was Lord Downton Abbey. And I was like, oh, is this like Downton Abbey? But no. Um, but yeah, so he is... 
like the the nobleman who lives in this mm-hmm. town and everyone is sort of like his tenant and he has these annual parties every year uh for the townspeople mm-hmm. and then there's this uh legend of what is it called the the Lampton worm Lampton, yeah um and it seemed oh and meanwhile I'm not very good at no, <laughs> describing the the sisters' parents have disappeared a year ago, and they yeah. and in perhaps in some sort of cave there was a watch that was found, and there's this sort of air of is the Lampton worm real or mm-hmm. not? Yeah. Um, and then we meet Miss Sylvia Marsh, mm-hmm. uh, and what's she like? <laughs> uh, Sylvia Marsh is if you were like, hey, lady, be a snake. (laughs) And then she just slithers into every scene, and I love it. Like, I loved her performance so much. Like, she's just like, I wish uh, you could see, but she's just, like, undulating and moving like a snake at every moment. Um, Felt very, like, 20s to me, too, like, with the slick kind of Yeah, sort of, like, silent movie actress. I mean, it is very, like, I think she's great in this. It's Mm -hmm. uh, Amanda Donahoe. Yeah, I loved her. I guess she was on L.A. Law. She's like another one of these young British actresses from the 80s who now, I hope that they retired like happily happily instead of just like I couldn't get work anymore because she's great. I love her. But she reminds, you you don't watch Vanderpump Rules? I don't, I'm sorry. But she reminds me, she's like young Lisa Vanderpump. Uh, Okay. uh, Yeah. Uh, Maybe some people will understand that reference. (laughs) Um, But she's this brunette, very, yes, sexual. And it's like an acting class. Like she's, she's, it's like your teacher is, be a snake. <laughs> yeah, and then she does, and you're like, yeah, you're a snake, and mm. I love it. Like, I like it feels like every, like, flick of her hand is informed by, like, what would a snake do? <laughs> and so there's no, like, you know from the moment that she appears that, oh, like, this is an evil lady. Yeah. Like, there's it, not, like, suspense, like a whodunit type mm-hmm. of thing. You're like, oh, this is, this is, she's bad news. Yeah. Um, And then, and then there's these uh, series of sort of, um, I don't know if they're like hallucinations or flashbacks or dream sequences mm-hmm. that harken back to sort of the Christian Roman conflict in the British Isles and sort of the paganism giving way to uh, to Christianity, which I think is the source of a lot of this like British folklore that and, and this is uh, based on a, a novel by Bram Stoker. Yes, and that's what I read a little bit about that, just saying that like. Basically, um, uh, Ken Russell was like, I read the, the story, didn't want to focus on that. I wanted to focus on, or there was more like sexual assaults and stuff oh, in, God, the, yeah. in the book. You know what I mean? He's just like, we're trying to get away from that. Well, and really there's definitely a few in the movie too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I wonder, I mean, have you ever read Dracula, the I novel? Haven't. It's bad. Is it? I, I remember, I mean, maybe it's been a while, but like the first few chapters are really interesting because it's like, Jonathan Harker going to Transylvania and meeting Dracula mm-hmm. and then and then it's just a lot of like boring shit uh-huh. um, and I so I don't know that Bram Sto- like he maybe is more of a good sort of like collector of folklore mm-hmm. than an actual writer himself Interesting. so it makes sense that Ken Russell would be like oh, I'm going to take these characters uh-huh. and this like skeleton of a story and then and then make my Add own thing them. yeah because yeah. I think he really um gave us Sylvia. Like, I think Sylvia wasn't as much in the original yeah, story. Yeah. Kind of and beefed up her role. You need, you need like a villain or you you need, so, so it turns out obviously the, the Lampton worm is, is real. And it's sort of like this, I mean, you know, practical effect. I love that it's Giant practical. white, Ooh. cool, um, disgusting snake thing living underneath, uh, 
they call it the Temple House, and it's mm-hmm. this sort of Roman ruins that this this Lady Sylvia is living in, um, and she. Uh, I guess has to feed the snake virgins every once yeah, in a while. Yeah, that's what it seemed yeah. like. They didn't like spell it yeah. out totally, but it was like, yeah, she had to do these offerings with virgins and our little friend Eve Catherine Oxenberg yeah. was, I guess, a virgin? Well, yeah, that was, I mean, so there. this movie is like not super graphic or gruesome and yet it's like the 80s sort of just like casual misogyny and like, mm-hmm. not even misogyny, but just like, uh, like rape is a very like casual thing to depict in yeah. these 80s movies and so like, she, well, first she, I mean, it's cre- pretty crazy. She like kidnap not kidnaps, but she like seduces a young boy scout mm-hmm. and um, starts, I mean, this guy has to be 12 or 13. Yeah, he's young. Giving him a blow job, yeah. uh, which you you don't obviously, you, but you see his face and then. It's and an then implied blow job. Yeah, and then he like, she like bites off his dick and like, yeah. it's it's quite uh, disturbing. Um, One moment in that encounter that uh, I found both cool and funny um, is like they're in a hot tub at one point and like she has to get out of the hot tub and she like steps on him and they just really take their time seeing her put her foot on him and him go underwater. And I just really liked that shot until the last moment where the Boy Scout's eyes are open and then when he realizes he's about to go in the water, he closes them really fast. Oh, no, I didn't <laughs> it's just like a sweet little moment where like, I'm sure that was like the best take they had, but it was very funny to watch someone be like, uh-oh, my eyes are about to go underwater. I better close them. That's really funny. <laughs> uh, yeah, I wonder like, I mean, this movie was obviously done for like relatively low budget and these... Yeah, these were all like relatively yeah. unknown actors at the time, but yeah. that yeah, that's fine. But I love the shot, like watching her foot yeah. push his head down. I thought was a very cool shot. I liked it. And you, yeah, you can tell like Ken Russell is he knows what he's doing as a mm-hmm. filmmaker, even though it's like sort of schlocky stuff. Like yeah. there's some there's some style to it. Uh, so yeah, all these kids end up getting you know going down into this cave. Catherine Oxenberg's in her bra and panties. Uh, there Thank I said you. it now. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Br- what do you say? Bra and undies. But it, it, that's not, like, this, I feel like this shot, if if I can show it to you in your mind's eye, like, it's, like, the perfect kind of, like, pulpy shot of, like, girl dangling above a hole in yeah. white brawn underwear or panties, <laughs> um, hands chained up uh, in a cave. Do you know what I mean? So you're like, oh, like, we know this shot. Like, it was very pretty. It looked like, like, out of a comic book or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah, comic book or, like, the old silent movies where yes. the girl's tied to the t- yeah. train tracks and stuff. Is that, yeah. And so, um they what exactly happens they they oh uh, you, you so, describe it okay so what i remember from this scene is um Hugh Grant is i guess smoking out the worm somewhere else <laughs> so like the idea was like the two men went to go kind of put smoke in another part of the cavern to get the worm to come out of the hole um and i think Sylvia is about to uh, uh, kind of use this large strap on right. um, as part of a ritual before she feeds the worm, the this woman, Catherine Oxenberg. Um, but then the worm comes out too quickly because of the smoke, so she doesn't get to engage in that uh, sexual encounter. Yeah, I she. Think, I right? th- yeah, I think it, it sort of maybe starts, and you, you see Catherine Oxenberg's character throughout the movie having these sort of, um, flashbacks yes, yes, or yes. visions of of like sexual assault mm-hmm. mixed with you know crucifixion imagery and all this yeah. stuff. I think the Romans were like raping all of these nuns. Oh yeah, this, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, I personally, I mean, obviously not the content, but I loved visually how they looked. Like I yeah. loved it. It was like old blue screen, like very like, it looked like a, like a talking heads video or something. Mm-hmm. Like it looked, it looked very fun and colorful and like early video techniques. Yeah. Yeah. It's like this sort of like pop art, not c- quite realistic aesthetic. Cause they are all, I mean, they're, maybe there's some blue screen, but it's like bil- it building is. sets and stuff too. Mm-hmm. Like there's obviously no CGI. Um, so yeah, you're seeing yeah, this. I in, just in like visually. I was like, Ooh, I like how this looks. Totally. Totally. Uh, and then there, so then Peter Capaldi somehow, um, gets a hold of, of Sylvia and, uh, I would just remember her hand is, um, I don't remember this. Yeah. The, the, she, I think she's like dropping into the, the cave or whatever. And he, I think this is right. He like cuts off her hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she drops down into the, you know, yeah, the belly she, of the, the, the beast worm. and, and then the hand goes with her. And then we think, you know, everything is, uh, is solved. But then of course the last moment, Peter Capaldi realizes he has been bitten by her and will carry on the, you know, the tr- tradition of this worm cult. Definitely. Well, and there's like one moment before that where he's like, I have the antidote. And so he gives himself the antidote and, um, Catherine Oxenberg's character, the antidote. And then... <laughs> At the end, a lab tech yeah, calls so and is like, it feels like she's in a different movie. Like her her emotional tone is like, oh yeah, sorry, we gave you the wrong antidote. That wasn't really the antidote. So he yeah. is infected. He is, yeah, that, that was, I was like, who is this lady that plays this <laughs> nurse? Like, is she Ken Russell's girlfriend? Like they have this, this lab set that they built and she's like, oh yeah, uh, I just wanted to let you know. Um, what it was not, what was it instead of the antidote? It, it was some... They just gave them the wrong thing. I don't yeah. remember the specifics, but it was like, sorry, we we were wrong. Yeah. You got the wrong stuff. But then I guess Hugh Grant, because I, I thought Hugh Grant was bitten by the by Sylvia too at some point, but I guess it didn't oh, I take, know. I don't remember. But I don't, I don't know. We'll never know what, because there was never a Lair of the White Worm too. Yeah. I, I will say one other cool thing I really liked about the movie is like, early at the party that Hugh Grant's throwing, uh, like, in honor of the worm early on. Um, they, like, talk about the, like, his family lineage, like, cut the worm in two. Um, and then later on, you get to see him cut someone who's infected with the worm in two in a very, like, powerful, fun shot, oh, yeah. um, which I thought was great. I think in a perfect world, I would have loved to see him cut a worm, but I think him cutting the woman who's infected with worminess was also cool. Yeah, and there's this whole... Uh vibe of this like very cloistered community where worms and snakes make a big uh like a big part of their their cuisine like in the (laughs) the party there's this thing where they're eating what seems to be like spaghetti Uh and he's like oh no this is just a plate of worms that you're eating like what (laughs) What the fuck is going on and i mean and the direction in that scene too was like have them wiggle out of your mouth so it's really clear that these are long weird things Yeah, yeah whether they're worms whether they're spaghetti like we gotta see them, you yeah. know what I mean? Because like, <laughs> yeah, and it's that like um, leaning into sort of like the the like gross earthiness of because mm-hmm. you think of like especially British movies as you know very sort of proper or whatever, and and like yeah, Ken Russell has this almost like a Roger Corman aesthetic and like into John Waters, it's like mm-hmm. this like bodily function grossness, which uh, which yeah was cool and like yeah. and and and. I don't think made the movie more silly, but sort of like grounded it in like some sort of realism, mm-hmm. even though like the 
plot is out of the yeah it's it's a pretty wild plot um i did want to take a second too and talk about the police officer i loved him like i just loved the way he played everything i loved him yeah he was great he's sort of like this bigger guy who the british and then he's sort of like a not like an asshole but just this like weird you know he's drinking and he's making cracking jokes and then after he gets bit there's a whole scene where it's like it's sort of like a medium shot you see well you see his whole body in this like snake hypnosis like wandering around it lingers on him for so long yeah. doing this like weird dance and it's this funny this like big dude in a cop's outfit yeah yeah he was great. i just thought he was great like i loved all of his choices <laughs> i could watch him forever uh everybody was real like was really good i mean yeah hugh grant is very charming i guess later he sort of he didn't like disown this movie but he mm. never thought of it as like a great role for him but I don't know. Like, if you're a young, good-looking guy, like, why not be in a weird horror movie? I, I wish I could go back in time, be a successful actress, and, like, get to be in teen, you know, yeah, teen, yeah, yeah, early yeah. 20s horror movies. Oh, my God. That would be a it dream. It so fun. Even if they're bad, it'd be fun. But I guess, like, I wonder at the time, because you are maybe feeling, and he didn't have to do, like, nudity or anything. Mm-mm. It's the women that really get go mm-hmm. through that. But, like, you maybe do feel a little, like, exploited. And, like, I can't imagine... I mean, with Ken Russell, he was, a pre- like, pretty, you know, professional filmmaker. But I imagine, like, there weren't, you know, big trailers. And it was it was a little bit of a lower budget. So maybe, yeah. I don't know, they were super not comfortable. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Who knows whatever happens between people? But he went on, obviously, to a great career. Uh, Peter Capaldi, even though Marissa's not familiar with him, he went on to a great career. Well, it sounds like you know everybody had pretty decent careers, and I'm like, oh, wow, Dynasty. Except for the Kate McKinnon lady. Yeah. Oh, uh, what happened to her? I, I think she's fine. I just think she sort of just stayed in Britain. To, I mean, I'm, she had, she'd had a great career she compared to everyone. She had to sell her yeah. soul to Kate McKinnon, so Kate <laughs> McKinnon know. can be successful. Well, maybe Kate McKinnon can do a biopic or a remake of Lair of the White Worm. Uh, it is, I mean, it's uncanny. It, yeah. They have just, their the way that their eyes are set, they're the exact same eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I, wanted, I don't know if I have anything to say about this, but like, Class politics, maybe because I'm just like thinking of class politics uh-huh. a lot lately. But mm-hmm. but this is not a political podcast. It's not a political <laughs> podcast. But it was, and I yeah I don't know what he was saying because it's like this mm-hmm. this sort of feudal system that's still going on in Britain with this guy who owns the whole land and and like his ancestors were uh, like conquering the I mean I don't know if you would call the Roman well the Romans weren't the indigenous people but like the 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 British the old the original British people yeah and. There's, it's like their sort of version of colonialism or... Oh, wow. I didn't even think about that. That's very interesting. Like in American horror movies, there's always in like in Poltergeist or Pet Cemetery talking about, oh, like we built this over an Indian burial uh-huh. ground and it, there's some evil that comes from, uh, from colonialism. Uh-huh. Um, and that's like the British version of that, I guess. I don't know. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about it. Um... Yeah. Then is the argument that the, but I don't know what but we're the supporting. Romans were because the Romans were saying we don't like the Romans who were the conquerors, right? But then we like Jesus. Yeah. Like, I, do we like the pagans? Who do we like? That is a really good question. I mean, I think so. There was originally like the Celts or whatever mm-hmm. in Britain, and then the Romans conquered them. Mm-hmm. But then, didn't the Christians come after the Romans, or did the were the Christians already there when the Romans came? 
I don't know the 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 way, but I know that the Romans probably didn't like Christ, right? Are no, they the yeah, ones that they were supposedly like, killed him. Well, they, I think there was a difference. There was like the the British pagans, like the Druids, uh-huh. and then I think the Romans are different than them. I don't know. We yeah. don't know. What we're no, talking I'm about. sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. But it, it is like this. Uh, and I guess that goes into the archaeology stuff too. Is like, uh, like there are cultures living on top of each other, mm-hmm. and if you like, you know, forget your history or like disrespect the past and like the people that were here before you, you'll be, you know, cursed or whatever. Great. And I think this is a, a lovelier, deeper look because I didn't even think about all of this, but I like that there's like a more thoughtful message within this very uh, <laughs> silly, fun, you know, snaky movie. Yeah, and it mostly is just silly, and it is, it's. It is a campy movie, and yet I maybe would have wanted more camp. Uh, yeah, I could take more. Like, definitely more male nudity. Uh, I, yeah. It seems like an egregious sin to me that there was really no shot of Hugh Grant in his underwear. I also think for the amount of, like, phallic things or snake-like things we're seeing throughout the movie that we didn't get one... Actual? Yeah. Di- yeah, yeah. Well, and I looked on Wikipedia. I had sort of assumed Ken Russell was gay just mm-hmm. because the movie is a little campy, but he's not. So I think that oh. might be the problem is oh. he he is a straight man. Um, and so he possibly is more interested in female Women, nudity. Yeah. yeah. And and is not. But I'm like, because I, I assumed, oh, this is like a relationship like Pedro Almodovar had to Antonio Banderas of this, he is my muse, I'm like lusting after him, and yet I'm going to like show off his, you know, acting ability. But I guess that was the relationship between Ken Russell and Hugh Grant. Huh, how interesting. Yeah, I feel like also in the movie, like the Hugh Grant kind of like storyline just kind of ends. Like it feels like maybe there's there were scenes that we, we didn't get to see. Yeah, I thought that there was going to be a twist and that Hugh Grant was going to be the one who was bitten and was like the evil Ooh, thing. But then... There's, yeah, a scene of them just driving. They just kind of go away to do this smoking business, and then we just kind of never see them again. Yeah, maybe there was stuff cut. Who knows? I don't know. Uh, But yeah, tell us what you think of Lair of the White Worm. Did you watch it as a kid? Were you seduced by the VHS box in the horror section of Blockbuster Video? Um, Let us know. Marissa, before... We go, I ask all my guests on High Camp, if we were to write a third volume of the High Camp Film Guide, what is a movie you would want to add to the list? I would add Welcome to the Dollhouse. That is honestly one of the best uh, choices that any guest has ever said. Thank you very much. I like that movie a lot. <laughs> that... And I think, it, I think it fits. I think, I think you know, this. it would definitely be written in there. Absolutely. I mean, I did not relate to a lot of like teen movies as Mm -hmm. a kid, Uh, especially the era we grew up in. It was very sanitized. You had your, your Freddie Prince juniors and your Jennifer Love Hewitt's and your Chris Klein's and Mm -hmm. people um, that did not look like me. (laughs) (laughs) Heather Matarazzo as Don Wiener. I was Uh like, that is my girl. That is like the scene. I mean, it is so fucked up because I was, I guess I was like 13. Well, you're probably a little younger than me. I think we're probably around the same yeah. age. Yeah, I saw it in theaters when okay. I was about 13. Yeah. Um, or I was. I think it was like seventh grade, so whatever that Yeah, is. so about the same, yeah. And I mean, how fucked up is it that that scene where Brendan Sexton is like, come back after school, I'm going to rape you. <laughs> and it's the hottest fucking thing you've ever heard in your life. I'm so 
glad that you feel that way because like truly I was like, oh my God, I'm attracted to this boy. Because I saw it at, like, I've rewatched it as an adult and I'm like, oh, we're not supposed to feel that way about this character. But because I saw it when I was like young around his age and was coming into my like sexual knowing, like I found him like very attractive. Yeah, yes. like hotter than any yes. Ryan Philippi, like whatever. Yes. And younger, but. And also like with that language, we're like, we're not supposed to like this. No. But I was just like, oh my God, he's attractive and I'm in. And the fucked up thing is like, those guys were like the bullies. Yeah. And, and that he is a bully to her, obviously. But like as someone who is sort of starting to maybe figure out that they're gay, but like years away from coming out that, um, abuse, the verbal abuse yes. of the, uh, is so wrapped up in your sexual desires that you don't even know when you're in middle school oh and you're, God. and it, it is, and it stays with you longer than it should. Oh, <laughs> but like that, that, um, uh, yeah, being, I just want to like, I like want to like touch your knee. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Well, it's it's weird because you're you're yeah. like, oh, this is the kid that would beat me up. This is the kid um, that would, you know, throw me in the locker. I was never thrown in a locker, but right, like in right. the in but the sort in of that, movie of my yeah, life. Yeah, that, en- that, that energy. And you're just, you just want him so bad. It's so fucked up. Wow, that is such an interesting experience because I feel like I obviously, you know, I'm not a gay man, but I... I had a similar experience of just like being like, I don't like this guy, but I want to like this guy, which is very confusing and conflicting from my own perspective. But that's like such an extra layer of like being like, ah, this abuser. Because so, so many of your interactions with, uh, with that sort of alpha straight guy energy at that age are, uh, being yelled at or being abused and negative. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like it's it's deeply. Um, oh my god, up. that is so interesting. I've never thought about it from that perspective. Yeah, it's weird, but also it, it's a testament to his performance too, because there is a a, a sweetness to him, mm-hmm. and he had like a a good career as a teen. He, I mean, he was also in Pecker, John Waters. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in that weird um, movie with with Kate Hudson and Christina Ricci, uh, Blue something. I haven't seen it. Eh, whatever. He he just recently was in Russian Doll exactly. too, and yeah. I thought he crashed. He's so good. He was the sexy homeless guy in yeah. Russian Doll. And I was glad because I had sort of wondered what had happened to him. Mm, me too. Um, because he did make such an impression. Yeah. Um, hugely. Because that and like Empire Records came out oh, around yeah, the same yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, oh. Yeah. Like I don't I just had a huge crush on him. Brendan, if you're listening, <laughs> come on the podcast. Um, wow, that was great. Wow, and I really like work some shit out live on the podcast. <laughs> but that's so interesting because I've never yeah, that's such an interesting th- takeaway because I've always had a weird feeling about that from my perspective. So it's so interesting yeah. to hear that you, you know what I mean? Like you grabbed onto that same energy from your perspective. Well, and like I, I had a few sort of like middle school bullies mm-hmm. and one of the worst ones, I, I, I believe, I don't keep in touch with him, but I believe he also uh, is gay now. And, oh, wow. and so I have some sort of empathy for what he was going through. Uh, another one of my teenage bullies, I believe did not do well and ha- has had sort of uh, a lot of addiction issues and I don't know what is going on with him, mm-hmm. but he, he's the one who I'm like, Oh, you were so hot as you were like, just being so nasty to me. <laughs> and it's, and look, I was like, Oh my God, what? And I, 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 I yeah, obviously I couldn't even process those feelings at the time. Right. Oh um, man. But yeah, you're like your interactions with that sort of masculinity, uh, is yeah crazy wow you're just giving me such a different perspective i've never mm. even considered do you know what i mean like yeah, that's yeah. so interesting 
uh, yeah, it's weird. Weird, weird, weird. And now fucking kids are had, have it so easy. You're just coming out. Everyone's happy. <laughs> Everyone loves you. Give me a break. <laughs> this is like the, the generation before me that is like... All your friends didn't die of AIDS, yeah. so you have it good. And it's like, yeah. yeah. Well, everyone will always have it, you know, quote unquote, better in the future. We hope, yeah. yeah. Oof. All right. Well, on that note, uh, thank you so much for coming on. This I has camp. been so delightful. Thank you for having me. Oh, good. Um, where can we find you? And do you have anything to plug? Oh, man. Um, I don't really think I have anything to plug currently. There's stuff in the works, so like... In six months, look me up. Oh, yeah. Maybe something's <laughs> happening. <laughs> oh boy, yeah. Uh, um, but uh, um, just my name, Marissa Strickland, on Instagram. I feel like that's the one that I'm mostly yeah, on. Yeah. But it, it's not going to be anything funny, guys. It's just going to be a picture every once in a while. That's great. Um, I like don't even use my Instagram except to like promote this podcast. Now, I I'm the one of the weird people, and I don't like. I don't like Twitter either. I, I can't handle Twitter. I check in like once a week to be like, has anyone asked me a question oh, yeah, or yeah, yeah. commented to me in any way? And they never do. Um, so that's it. I But I don't spend time on Twitter. I no. feel like it seems caustic. It's I lurk on Twitter. Con- I don't post anything because mm-hmm. um, I feel like I have I often just don't have anything to really add to the conversation. <laughs> but um, now with the again, this is not a political podcast, but that discourse <laughs> is fascinating to me right now so i'm spending way too much time um i'll tell you off mic Great. some specific people just like looking I, at yeah, the yeah, comments yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah looking at the arguments people are having and it's wild it's um we live in a world that is amazing and crazy yeah just remember to vote guys uh <laughs> All right. Thank you again. Thank you. This was so fun. And if you want to follow this podcast on Twitter and Instagram, we're at High Camp Pod. Follow me at Ruckerbry, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye.